Hello, Lockdown Guardians fans. Welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making it your first listen today and every day for being available on all podcasting platform services. If you get a podcast, you can find Lockdown Guardians there. I also remind everyone download daily. Let's crack the top 50. We are 57th last week. We are so close. And then the third thing, if you haven't left an iTunes review, if you're an iTunes listener, I'm at 90. Let's break 100. Uh, let's make the last review not a Braves fans review who is upset because I said Jose Ramirez is better than Austin Riley. Today's show, we are going to finish up the failed prospects. So let's just start there. We've been working through this for a while. So let's start with the last two failed top 100 prospects. One of them, I think, is a massive cautionary tale. So let's start with Clint Frazier. He's not the cautionary tale. He's the other one. You might say, is it fair to call Clint Frazier a bust? I mean, yeah, it is. As of now, he is 20... Well, he'll be 27 uh, next season, I want to say, if he's not 27 already. Uh, He's already 27, my bad. And he's got a total of 162 games in the big leagues over four seasons. Uh, He could never break through with the Yankees. First opportunity at a 716 OPS. uh, And that year, you know, he struck out over 30% of the time. He barely walked. He then came back. That was 2017. 2018, very small opportunity again. He was all right. He had that good 2019. Uh, he had a solid 2020. I mean, that was really that was what he was hoping to build on. And he was just so miserable this year in 2021 that uh, the Yankees decided to designate him for assignment, essentially. You know, they did not pick up his option here, and they let him go. So at the end of the day, the Yankees traded Andrew Miller for Ben Heller, who they let go, J.P. Fireisen, who they let go, who went to the Brewers, who then became a tradable asset. Remember, Fireisen was one of the two pieces they traded to get Willie Adames. So uh, the Yankees, so bad at pitching development that Heller looked like a sure bet. He wasn't. Couldn't, some health issues. Fireisen, they never really gave an opportunity to. Uh, he goes to Milwaukee, and within six months, they turn him into a tradable asset. Justice Sheffield, who they traded for James Paxton, who... Did Paxton even start 20 games at the Yankees? Couldn't stay healthy. And Clint Frazier. So, uh, you know, at, at the time, I didn't love the deal because, I mean, I really liked Heller. I really liked uh, Frazier. That's a slam dunk win for the Indians in retrospect. So what happened here? Well, part of the problem for Frazier, honestly, is he got buried by a team that had outfielders for days. Uh, it's, you know, Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. Giancarlo Stanton just recently became a DH, so he's had health issues, and that did oppor- open opportunities for Clint. Gardner, good old Brent Gardner has been there forever. Aaron Hicks is a solid center fielder when healthy. But the other problem, when you go through and you look at what really kind of started to separate and set things up, when Clint Frazier turned that corner in the minors, his walk rate increased and his strikeout rate dropped. And you look at his data in the big leagues, and his strikeout data went upwards and his walk data went down. Now, you know, 162 games, 524 at-bats, he's got an OPS over 800. 258 on base, 333, uh, 258 average, 333 on base, 331 on base, 475 slugging. He's he's been okay. He just hasn't been able to do it consistently. Could be opportunity. Uh, we don't know the specifics with the vertigo, where the Aaron Boone was talking about his career might be over last year. Uh, defensively, he has been a butcher. Uh, you know, he was a center fielder when he was drafted. With a huge arm, it was thought that he would be an easy right fielder, and he'd be a plus right fielder. Uh, I mean, I wrote that profile, plus right fielder, plus power, swing and miss. Uh, 
you know, the, the power has never really been tapped into. I mean, even in the minors, he never, the big home run season was 16. Next highest total of home runs he hit was 13 uh, in a, in a stop. Now in fairness, he did have what he had another year of 16 in the minors. Uh, you go back to 2019, he hit 20 between the bigs and the minors, but not the power. I think most people expected power now looks closer to 55. I, I do wonder, again, the Yankees are not good at development. Uh, when they need a player, they have traded or signed for him. Like who are the homegrown stars on that team right now? Legitimately outside of like Aaron judge, uh, it's a lot of outside acquisitions, you know, Brent Gardner, we talked about, but, uh, Frazier just didn't seem like he developed fully. Uh, he was, you know, like I said, and then I just, I have my own experiences with him, the minors where he got annoyed dealing with media in Akron that there was some immaturity that popped up at points when I was down there. Um, you know, I don't know if any of that is there. I mean, he was a guy. It, it, there was a small degree of cautionary tale. Like, he was maxed out physically. He was a, he looked like Popeye when he was a high school kid. So you're not really going to add much to what he was. Now, what he was was a good athlete, a plus athlete, dare I say. Very well built uh, with some of the best bat speed I'd ever seen at that point in time. Now, adjustments never really seemed to come. And, you know, there was, like I said, he did adjust minorly after the 2014 season. And cut back on those strikeouts. Now, he always walked at a decent rate. Uh, the strikeouts, though, would always balloon as he got to the majors. And, you know, he'll get an opportunity. There's every opportunity for him to still be a regular. But at the end of the day, uh, he's got to show that he can do that. He has to show that consistency. And he's got to show that he has that ability to be a consistent outfielder, which he has not uh, so far across his big league career. Uh, you know, the defense is really bad. He is a below-average defender that limits what you can do with him. The, the swing and the miss, and then the power. I mean, he's he's looked more like a guy with like fifty-grade power in the big leagues, like closer to average. Uh, you, you do wonder, you know, given a place, maybe some better coaching. Does he find a little bit more? I, I think it's possible. I still think there's room for him to get better and grow and and get himself off this bus list. But as of now, he was the fourth pick in a draft. He was a very high pick. He was, was he the first high school player taken? Like that was, now, you know, there was debate. A lot of people had Austin Meadows higher than him in that draft class. Uh, he was not the first high school player. That was Cole Stewart to the Twins, one pick before. And then Frazier was the fifth overall pick. But you go, I mean, you look at this class, the Rockies let John Gray go. Mark Appel is like out of baseball. Chris Bryant hit free agency. Cole Stewart was released. Colin Moran was released. Trey Ball, who went seventh, was probably the biggest bust in this class. Hunter Dozier was a huge overdraft. I mean, he's actually been good compared to most of these guys in the top ten. That was a massive overdraft. Meadows is the only all-star. Phil Bickford didn't even sign, and when he came back, he wasn't that great. Dom Smith is, I mean, I really liked him at points, but he hasn't, we don't even know if he's an average regular yet. And this was this was labeled a weak class. Uh, DJ Peterson went 12, didn't get to the big leagues. Hunter Renfro was at 13. Reese McGuire is a backup at 14. Braden Shipley was a bust pitcher. J.P. Crawford at 16 and Tim Anderson at 17, the shortstops. You redo this class, those two are both top five. There's no way they're not with the defensive ability and then the offensive ability there. Then you got Chris Anderson 
after Tim Anderson, bust Marco Gonzalez. I didn't love the pick at the time, but he's turned a solid player. Jonathan Crawford didn't hit the big leagues. Nick Cufio is a defender. Hunter Harvey couldn't stay healthy. Chichi Gonzalez, Billy McKinney, Christian Royal, like those guys who are fringy. Uh, Rob Kaminsky was a first-rounder in this one. Aaron Judge was the 32nd overall pick. Sean Manea was the 34th. Now, Manea had some top overall pick run, and he got a lot of money. He was a kind of a late stash and grab by Oakland. Michael Lorenzen turned into a solid player. I'm sure everyone just loves me reading draft picks. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a class I go through. I mean, Kyle Crockett in the fourth round is one of like five fourth. Like Cody Bellinger is your top pick if you redo this draft. Like that I feel pretty confident on. I don't have to look at the rest of the class, really. You know, Tyler Molly, who in the seventh round, uh, is probably in the top 10, I would think. Trey Mancini, who in the eighth round, <laughs> again, just draft guys from that Notre Dame program back in the day when they were a terrible developmental program. Like Mancini is a top 10 pick. I think if we redo this class, it's, you know, it, it was viewed as a weak class. You come back a few years and it probably still is. Uh, you know, Heller did make it to the big leagues as a 22nd rounder. Luke Voigt was also a 22nd rounder that year. Uh, former Indian Hunter Wood is the latest draft pick to make the majors from that class. He was a 29th rounder, 878 overall. Uh, Pat Vilecki, uh, brother of Indians hitting coach. So some nice, nice con- connections overall. Uh, if I'm redoing this class, it is kind of hard just from the level of like Chris Bryant's peak was so high. I mean, I probably take Tim Anderson number one in this class, honestly, with what he has become at the shortstop position. I'd probably say Chris Bryant's your two. And then, oh no, I'm sorry. So it goes Bellinger, then Tim Anderson, then Chris Bryant. So Chris Bryant goes a little bit later and he went. Uh, I think those are probably pretty clearly the top three. After that, you can kind of make your arguments for a Mancini or a Molly or you know, some of the other, you know, Hunter, well, not necessarily Hunter Renfro, or maybe J.P. Crawford with his uh, ceiling as a shortstop. Not the best class, but uh, again, Clint Frazier was the fifth overall pick. Hasn't come together for him. We're going to come back and uh, dive into Francisco Mejia, who, again, should be a huge cautionary tale for anyone who's an Indians fan. So you want to tune in for that second half to hear why he should make you a little bit nervous about guys like Ty Freeman and the like. I am still sad I missed out on the candy cane crunch over at Bill Bar. It's, it's one of the lowest calorie bars they had, but can I tell you what? New flavor, eggnog. Uh, I recently got into it with my buddy online, Justin Lotta. I like eggnog. I like black licorice and uh, was, oh, candy corn. So uh, apparently to some people, I'm a monster with that combination. But I do like eggnog. If you're curious, eggnog, 140 calories, 5 grams of sugar. That's a pretty low, pretty solid sugar count. Uh, 17 grams of protein, 140 calories in line with most of their bars. It is nut-free. Uh, as well as gluten-free. It only has milk and, well, milk and soy. Yes. So, I mean, I, I'm tempted. I'd be tempted by that one if I hadn't just bought a bunch of the white chocolate cheesecake, which they still have. They still have the caramel macchiato, the caramel almond delight, the coconut brownie chunk, and paranormal pumpkin. If pumpkin is your thing. That is on sale right now, uh, as well as are the coconut almond protein balls. And then they just have the ones that are always there. Uh, coconut marshmallow puff is now a permanent part of the collection. You know, the, the collection is always solid, but I get excited for these, uh, limited supply arrivals 
eggnog would intrigue the heck out of me if i didn't just put an order in uh you should go to built bar yourself use the promo code locked 15 it's always fun to see what's coming it's limited supply limited release of these find one you like try it out it's uh i love it it's my breakfast every day builtbar.com promo code locked 15 so i kind of mixed it up with uh with the other hosts on network about uh, our newest sponsor is exciting to have a new sponsor and our new sponsor is stance now i'm an old man uh so i don't know as much about stance but I mean, they were showing like some of the cool designs, like the Joey Botto socks and some of the Pittsburgh socks. Like Stance is a comfortable clothing line with some really cool designs. It's really interesting. They call it active apparel. Uh, you know, I'm hearing about it a lot. They want me to mention that in the ad read, but honestly, I was. <laughs> I was like, I don't know this company. And it made a huge amount of uh, information come my way in our group chat. People showing their Stance products. Uh, I know they have underwear and joggers and hoodies, but it seems like socks are the big thing here. They are comfortable. People love wearing them. They are cool and comfortable. It was founded in 2019, and it represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. You really see the creativity in all the designs people were sharing. Stance brings atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. You can get Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel. How about the Goonies, Pixar, NBA, Major League Baseball? Uh, I'd be intrigued by a hoodie. Just that's me personally if I was. But hoodies tend to get expensive, so I'd probably actually buy socks. Everyone who I talk to with this, they really like it. They say it is a good quality product. Go check it out for yourself. And remember, right now, if you go to Stance, this is a quality, comfortable, cool product. Use that promo code locked on and get 15% off your first purchase. That is promo code locked on at checkout. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. So, as we dive back in, let's talk Francisco Mejia. I feel a little bad um, with this because I was kind of someone who was always lower on him, but that's because, you know, I've said it many times, they were really willing to trade him for uh, Luke Roy because they were tired of him. He was a player who there was so many. Now, I can also say, all the stories I heard were in low A. When I was talking to my people in Akron, they're like, we didn't have any problems. He was fine. Like, he was fine in Akron. He seemed to get his stuff together and realize, like, he was messing up his own career. And he was also one of those players, if you remember, that, like, sold, like, there was that whole thing where, like, you could essentially, like, sell rights, like, give a percentage of your lifetime earnings for some money up front. It was a very weird little thing that I don't think, it was almost like, I don't know the specifics, but he's one of those players who got caught up in that. And he always hit in the minors, but, you know, he, he moved a little bit slowly in those early years. Part of it was because his catching defense just was not good. Part of it was also attitude. Uh, you know, that was, there were points in time where, like I said, I won't get into the nitty gritty, but I heard things on him that I've really never heard with another player. So he moved slowly. He eventually got up to the big leagues with the the Indians and they had him play in 11 games. He got 13 at-bats. And then uh, the next year he would get one game, two at-bats, and then he'd be traded to San Diego. Since then, uh, he's managed 128 games over five years, 334 at-bats for a 225 average, 282 on base, 386 slugging, 668 OPS. I was always a fan of trading Mejia. Part of it was because I heard a lot of negatives. Part of it was also, it is a flat profile. And this is where I say, I, this is where I get nervous and why I'm a little lower on like the Ty Freemans of the world. Mia had oh, very little power. He didn't walk. 
he didn't bring any secondary skill offensively. The difference between a Freeman versus a Mejia, and this is a few things. One, there's none of that negativity associated with him. Same thing with like a, a Brian Rocchio, who is more of a kind of a slap hit, similar kind of profile as Freeman, as Mejia. Uh, you know, Rocchio and Freeman are better athletes, and they're not as streaky. And both of them, there's no negative connotations I've ever heard associated with them. But with me, with all of them, you know, Rocchio's got a little bit more... Uh, dynamicism no you know dynamic itism he's got a chance for a little bit more but with like freeman he is 100 percent like a single double hitter who's not going to walk at a high rate he throughout his minor league career you know he walked six and a half when you have one skill and it's that hit tool and it's only that hit tool you you don't hit for power you don't walk you don't have any other aspects when you get cold, because no one stays hot. I mean, even, and he is a very streaky player. He was a guy who for a month would be the best hitter at his level and for another month could not buy a base hit. That's, that's you know, that's the Oscar Mercado's uh, situation, but with less highs uh, or more potential highs for Mejia. But that is a profile I don't love. <laughs> the Indians like it because it is a pretty safe profile. And also I think there is additional trade value. Like these guys move through the minors quickly and they perform well. And if you want to move on from someone like Mejia, or if you decide that like Ty Freeman is a tradable asset, they have greatly increased, uh, you know, a Ty Freeman, a Mejia's value from where they first acquired them. And it's a safer thing. It's like when you look at the pitcher types, they like this whole pitchability guy. And yes, they are good at adding more. They, you know, they like specific arm slots. They like guys who are developed pitchers, not throwers, pitchers. But that's also what's really safe. Uh, the Indians have kind of gone for a model of hitter and pitcher that are both very safe to move through the minors. Now, it hasn't translated to the majors with the hitters, more so with the pitchers, but that's because with the pitchers, they've been able to find that extra gear. They've been able to do more. They haven't found an extra gear for their hitters yet. Mejia is a bad defender. You know, it's the same thing as we talked about with Clint Frazier, but you have a bad defender, a catcher. We don't have robot umps yet, so we're not in a situation where that's a, you know, helpful. Mejia was part of uh, the trade with the Rays for Blake Snell a year ago, but he still, you know, Mike Zunino had a good year, so he still didn't play that. He was essentially a backup catcher last year. He was a top 25 prospect. He was the top catching prospect in baseball. I had people tell me you can't trade him because he's going to win a batting title. I find where he's telling me you can't trade this guy because he's going to hit 300. I mean, he still might, but he's also a guy who is now 26 years of age who still hasn't been able to settle into a, a starting position after being a very, very highly thought of guy because he hit over 300. And he had some stre- you know, stretches where he had long hit streaks. Uh, you go and you look at that year in Akron in 2017. I mean, that was certainly a peaking value for him because he also had 14 home runs. I mean, he, it wouldn't shock me if he hit like 280, had a season where he hit 280 and fell into like 20, 25 home runs. Uh, I just don't think it's ever going to be sustainable. And this is, like I said, this is just a personal thing. This is just my view. I don't like someone who is a one-tool offensive profile. I just don't. You're never going to, you know, I've had people tell me, it's like, well, Freeman does it at an elite rate. I'm like, that's that's fine. I am, you know, I, I have Arias higher than Freeman because positional value matters, and I don't think Freeman can play shortstop. But he, if someone, I mean, and Freeman doesn't walk at all. He walks less than Mejia did, and he has less power. And I am 100% for, you know, people get mad at this. I already know. 
Uh, Freeman played in 41 games last year because of health, too. And, you know, I look at someone like him when you have that middle infielder depth. His peak value is currently now. We can sit back and debate if, you know, people will tell me someone's going to win a batting time. We don't know that. <laughs> and uh, when you have a very small sample size and everything else, I think we get a little too precious with batting average still. Uh, this isn't me of a decade ago where I'm like, throw the stat out. There's value in that stat. This is not, you know, me being like, I'm base and nothing else. No, there's value in batting average. I think we get too caught up in guys who still hit over that mythological. I guess it's not mythological because it happens. It's real. But over that, that 300 line, you know, it's kind of something special, something we don't see as much as we used to. Yeah, it's great if a guy does that. But again, an empty 300 versus a full like 280, uh, that that's better you know there were points where there were 300 hitters who weren't getting on base as much as carlos santana who was hitting like 220 uh there's more value in what santana brings because he gets on base more and that's the name of the game so if you can't walk you don't have power you don't have any other asset other than a hit tool that hit tool at points you're going to get unlucky like we have bapit for a reason there's going to be times that you are going to be extended an extended streak of bad luck. And if you have no other tool in your bag offensively, you are just going to be bad. You are going to be a negative regular. And there's no way around that. There's no way to counter that. No one's going to consistently avoid all bad luck. That just doesn't happen. So with any of these guys, uh, you know, a Mejia, a Freeman, you're going to have to be prepared for there's going to be a point where they can't buy anything offensively. They can't do anything offensively. And that's always going to just be my concern. That is the issue for anyone with a profile like this. And Mejia actually has more, more power and a better walk rate than Freeman. Now, Freeman is the better pure hitter, but I'm just, this is my explanation of why I get very nervous about a profile that I don't see growth potential in. I don't see the power coming necessarily. I don't see a walk rate improving. That profile, that type of hitter, I'm always going to be a little bit lower on as they move through the system. That's why I like Freeman is probably fourth in the system for me. If I really sit down and do a list, it's like, you know, Arias has the power and he's a better defender. Uh, Valera has a potential plus hit plus power. And in particular, like that plus hit plus power combo, that's, that's always going to be something that I, I, I give multiple opportunities to and rank a lot higher. But yeah, when it comes down to why Mejia fail, he was never a good catcher. And he wasn't good enough as a catcher that you wanted to run him out there unless he had a plus bat. He wasn't able to hit when given opportunities, and he's a one-trick pony. And when you are that guy who doesn't offer power, doesn't offer anything other than batting average, if you're not running out there every day, you need a full season of data to kind of balance out. When you're as streaky as Mejia is as well, it's hard to run that guy out there every day when they're a negative at their defensive position. So the combination of a bad defender, lack of offensive profile, is why right now he's still not a starter in the big leagues. Uh, and why, you know, the idea of someone anointing someone a future batting champion is silly. And it doesn't really matter. Like a batting champion is not something that is going to... Like, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's going to help you win. But again, it, it's such a small percentage. Batting average in terms of the total offensive profile of any player is a very, you know, it, it's not half. It's like, it's not even a third of what's going to give you production. Those are our last two. Tell me what you think. Come back uh, for a short segment three. We have some old friend alerts I want to get to. Come on, you know our friends over at betonline.ag. Remember when you do go to betonline.ag, you want to use our promo code LOCKED on. 
don't know why, but Weird Space Locked On. That gets you a 5050% bonus in your first deposit. They have the earliest lines. Odds open before the competition. Bet big, high limits, and rebut functionality. Fastest payouts. Winning paid in minutes. Industry best bonuses. They have what is currently popular in their casino. Multi-hand blackjack. Uh three-sided bet one to one to 10k uh tri-card poker american roulette and touch zone you can see hockey lines bowl season daily specials fight odds basketball games football lines it is all here at betonline.ag if it is your thing if you are someone who likes to go and bet and that is in your knowledge base make sure to go to bet online i mean just using our promo code locked on is going to give you 50 percent bonus why wouldn't you want to go there and take advantage of that that is betonline.ag our promo code is locked on so we've been talking uh, about how a lot of players are kind of going for a safe route right now, and uh, we're seeing a lot more uh, kind of fringe types sign in Korea and Japan, and Adam Plutko is going over. He's going to be with the LG Twins of the Korean baseball organization, Sungmin Kim. I remember when I was recommending you know, him to people out there years ago, and, uh, and he's now the breaking news for a lot of this stuff. But yeah, he had that year in Baltimore last year and a lot of people were like oh why do the indians not hold on to him well uh near baltimore and he's now going to be over in uh korea and on top of that we have a yasiel puig signing i hard to believe how long puig's been out of baseball at this point in time uh, you know he played for the indians back in 2019 and he was good a 297 average a 377 on base a 423 slugging an 800 ops he was 28 years of age I know there was some off-the-field stuff, and there was just the declining production, and there was on-the-field issues as well, but he had a solid year, uh, just hasn't been playing, uh, and he got a $1 million contract, the maximum amount KBO allows for first-year foreign players, and he's going to go play for the Kiwoom Heroes. Uh, it's weird. I mean, yes, there was uh, civil action against him. I don't know. Criminal charges were never filed, and it was settled out of court. Uh, it kind of made things difficult. There was a thought where, you know, maybe he had a deal with the Braves lined up that didn't come together. A lot of things there, but he's, you know, he, at this point in time, you're looking at a guy who's been productive in the big leagues, who is 31 years of age. Last game was at the age of 28 years. Uh, he'll go play in Korea and try to reestablish some value. Same for Adam Plutko. And it's just interesting. You're seeing... Many, many guys go over there and sign right now because, hey, they can get, you know, 500,000. They can get a million. They can get, I mean, Mike Talkman, who I talked about so much last year, he's going over uh, to the KBO. We're seeing the KBO is just going a little bit crazy. Uh, and then also I want to point out, you know, I talked recently about my, you know, sleeper players uh, producing the minors. Tyler White, one of them, who's like the old end of it. But he's had some uh, good production in the big leagues and very good production in the minors who played over in Korea for a bit, continuing that theme. Signed with the Brewers. So one of the uh, sleepers is uh, is lined up and going to be with that Brewers organization. Uh, we mentioned early in the week, DJ Peters, a guy I've liked for a while, signed over in the KBO. The KBO is uh, not hanging in the background right now. They are 100% diving into things and uh, adding talent, adding players, and they're making some really interesting signings. And it'll be something that, you know, when the, there wasn't baseball, uh, ESPN started showing some of those KBO games 
when we had the the issues with um, the pandemic. I'll be curious if they start if people start showing KBO games again once uh, if this lockout extends. Thank you again for listening to Lockdown Guardians this week. Let's see if we break the top fifty. Keep momentum going. Rate and review, download daily. All of that helps the show go. Thank you for making Lockdown in Guardians. Not Indians. I'm gonna keep doing it though. Lockdown Guardians, your first listen today and every day for you available on all podcasting platforms and everywhere you get podcasts. Go check out Lockdown Cavs. I mean. Let's be honest, right now, the most exciting team in Cleveland are those Cleveland Cavaliers with the way they're playing. And Evan Mobley, ooh, he looks like a good one. So go check that out with Chris, who's a good dude, Manning, and uh, Evan, who I know hosts that one. And again, thank you for listening, rate and review, all that good stuff. We're going to keep it going. No draft this week. I didn't even get to that because we had the minor league draft. So we'll lead off with some draft stuff next week. Uh, historical pieces will keep going and there's so much to talk about so many things and hit me up with ideas hit me up with the mailbag i haven't done one of those in a while so that's something i need to get to as well uh thank you again and as we say now go go guardians go